Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to a new episode of The Solar Journey. My guest today is Tim Meyer. Welcome to the show, Tim. Good morning. Hi, Tim. Yeah, so Tim has been a renewable energy systems and energy markets enthusiast for over 27 years. He started his career in technology development and management at Fraunhofer Institute in Freiburg, Germany. After his time at Fraunhofer, he held several executive management positions in the first booming years of solar in Germany. Back then, just to give you an idea, he was the CTO of, Germ of the German company called Conergy, one of the big brands in the first industrial phase of solar. He then moved from tech to electricity trading. He founded his own startup called Grünstromberg. That's a German term, um, in English, something like green electricity workshop or plant. So uh, Grünstromwerk provided regional green electricity solutions. And uh, after a few years, his company was taken over by one of the Germany's largest green electricity utilities called Naturstrom. Tim stayed on board. He became a board member of Naturstrom and uh, stayed with Naturstrom until January 2022. Since then, he has been enjoying his role as a strategy consultant and interim manager in the new energy industry. And now he enjoys having more time to engage in public discussions and writing posts on LinkedIn, as you can all see on LinkedIn. Again, very warm welcome, Tim. Thanks um, for the kind introduction and long introduction. Yeah. <laughs> People must believe I'm pretty old now. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you you studied electrical engineering. Was that back then um, after school? Was that the your obvious choice, or did you was it a hard decision for you to choose one or the other? It was an obvious choice, really. Um, if I think back, I, it's, it's difficult to explain why. Um, probably because my father was an electrical engineer. Um, but he also was a, a lawyer, was a patent a lawyer. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I I was in contact to electrical engineering, and uh, there wasn't too much of thinking going on in my my head back then. Yeah. So it was the the, the natural decision. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. And I I, I liked it, of course, because it's uh, I I'm an engineer by heart in, in a certain sense. Okay. Excellent. Um. Just like me, you studied in Karlsruhe, Germany. How did you end up in the Rhine Valley? Um, I, mean, I studied in Aachen, really, my, my PhD thesis. Ah, um, just a was, PhD, okay. Uh, my, my professor was in, in Karlsruhe. Okay. But physically, I spent that time in Freiburg already. So I, um, yeah, most of my time was at Fraunhofer, and my, my professor was in Karlsruhe. So okay. I didn't really live in Karlsruhe. All right, all right, okay. 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 So, um, so you studied electrical engineering. Um, you were at the Fraunhofer Institute, let's say the most prestigious uh, solar R&D institute in in Germany. How did? Why did you choose um, solar? When when did your interest in ecology, etc., start? What was there a special trigger? Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, so already as a teenager, I, I found that something's going wrong. Um, I couldn't put my finger on it, but no, the, the way we treat our planet can't be right. And uh, of course, there was Chernobyl um, as, as the main disaster that, that really um, made everybody understand mm, this might not be the right track to go for, for energy. But for me, it was all still pretty vague. So um, it was in, 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 in Aachen, actually, um, when I studied, that I got more and more in contact to um, real ecology topics. Um, mm -hmm. First, other environmental things, and then really energy. And my, my diploma thesis was on a developing a module-integrated power inverter. Uh, back oh, in, right. the, uh, in the early 90s, that was fancy stuff. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, interesting, cool. And uh, so you spend a, a lot of time, your initial um, career in uh, solar technology um, as an engineer, but also in, in management. What made you switch to, 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 the, to, switch to the uh, electricity market, to trading electricity, buying and selling mm -hmm. electricity? Well, actually, there, there were two points. One was after leaving Fraunhofer, which was uh, more like going into industry uh, to make uh, things happen more and, and to, to yeah be able to to uh, create things and, and um, make business actually um, and that was in more or less classical solar industry as you mentioned um, and back then I did quite some restructuring Conergy was a restructuring case the earliest uh, in the industry um, mm -hmm. there were some heavy management uh, mistakes made. Uh, so this company crashed first, which was interesting to see because I, I learned a lot about restructuring companies and mm -hmm. about, uh, but, but that learning how not to do things. Um, but it was like around 2011, 12, when the, also the German boom came to an end and it was more or less the race for cost down, right? Um, yeah. this, that was the industry mechanics. And for me, I thought, well, first of all, I've done that now for a couple of years. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit boring for me. But then I asked, well, um, it's not only about cost down. I, I'm, as an engineer, I, I was quite um, optimistic that at the end, PV will be the cheapest energy technology. But the key question was how to use it and not on the technical side, how to use it, but how to integrate it into energy markets and systems. And that's really why I left uh, solar industry then to say, no, that, there must be more. And uh, so I did some consulting and out of that, I founded uh, Grünschenberg, that, that small utility that was specialized on as a first company in Germany to, to make electricity tariffs and products for end customers out of PV electricity, right? Yeah. So to, to use the electricity as a product rather than self-consumption or other things that that's easy but really um utility business yeah and and what what made you start your own own company you, you couldn't find a, a similar solution in the market and you thought that's an innovative business model or what what triggered you to to start your own uh, to start green schrumberg well certainly the the utility business in germany was very conservative back then. It's still in large shares, relatively conservative. Mm. Um, so um, yes, 
there wasn't a similar solution around. Like you could just say, oh, I go to that company. Um, but also I just wanted to run an own company. I just wanted to try, right? Yeah. And um, as you know, or may, maybe you know you have the, the same experience, but to, um, to, to start up your own company, uh, you also have to have some naivety. So just to believe, oh, it's going to work. Um, and then you see the real problems later on, uh, but we would never start. <laughs> problems right ahead. So I just wanted to try. Yeah. I was yeah. in a position happily that I had the opportunity to do so. So yeah. I met the right people. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you just mentioned um, you start a company and then you suddenly surprised what the kind of issues you, you are facing and you need to come up with a solution. What would you say is your the most important lesson you learned from uh, starting up and, and running uh, a company? So as an advice to uh, potential founders or even senior management, what, what would you, what's your biggest learning? Um, maybe there are two. Um, one is, of course, um, always when you start, you have to be, as I mentioned, a little bit naive. Just believe right? that's going to be great. Um, and don't worry too much because otherwise you will never start. But um, there, on, on the long run, it can be really um, uh, time-consuming and energy-consuming to do all the financing rounds, right? So that was at the end uh, when, for us also, we saw it's, it's better to, to um, well, be taken over by Naturstrom, which was a great case for us. Um, because just the perfect company fit. Um, but it's really, um, you cannot only do your business building and stuff. You need to do, have the financing, the right partners for that to, to go the next and the third round. And uh, we struggled with that a little bit. We had a, a small team um, financing the com company in the beginning, and it wasn't really built from the beginning uh, to, to do further financing rounds. Um, and the second point is, um, the, the timing is really difficult to find you have just to start when you have to start we were a little bit early on um we had a pretty complex business model which was utility business mm -hmm. and try to explain um venture capitalists utility business wow right they they, they knew uh, how to build a pv system or how to finance pv projects but utility business is completely far off for them yeah. so um it took it took a long time to to build that business and it's now that it's running right um, after many many years also in the tour storm we continued um, but uh, we were a little bit early on actually so we underestimated the complexity of the business model we chosen and then you just need time yeah okay excellent thanks so timing yeah definitely is a requires some luck i would also say right um, yes definitely. you can you can make lots of analysis but in the end you face uh yeah you just need to try yeah yeah um i would now like to jump right into the presence and uh, potentially also a bit into the future as an expert on on trading electricity and uh, as an expert on energy markets in general um how do you see the the current situation so germany and europe are you could call it an energy crisis prices went up dramatically what exactly are the causes of course everybody talks about um 
border prices about the war in Ukraine. Is that the only thing? Is that the only thing that triggered the, the price spikes? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it, it certainly was a trigger, mm -hmm. but not the root cause. And um, there were several root causes and several circumstances, bad luck, um, that, that matched quite well. So I believe the root cause is that um, Europe, but particularly Germany, um, has has maneuvered itself into a huge dependency from Russian pipeline transported gas, right? Um, and there were many bad decisions made in the past decades um, that led us there. Um, and um, so the, the real root cause is the, the dependency on a single source and a single source that's, um, let's say, on the political and geostrategic side, not a good partner, definitely not, right? Mm. So that was one of the root causes. And then there were other circumstances that, that um, were, were um, bad luck, which is that in the same year we had huge problems in France. Well, France had huge problems with his nuclear fleet, right? So uh, French electricity production was declining the years before already, but last year went down 25%, just not there due to problems with safety, with um, cooling of the plants during hot summer times, some strikes. Um, well, there was a shortfall of electricity in France um, mm. and other minor effects like uh, also a dry summer shortfall of hydropower in, in Europe. So there many, many factors all together. Um, so yes, Ukraine was the trigger, but it's the, the, the structure we had in Europe, the energy system, it, that was the real root cause. Yeah. And uh, what would you say, how, how does coping work for us and for our European neighbors in, in the current situation? Um, I dare to say very well. Okay. Uh, that, that's strange, maybe, because if you look at German newspapers and public discussion, it's like everything's and everything's dramatic. And yes, this is a dramatic crisis, definitely. Mm. But particularly it is for, for households and industry that has to cope with high prices for a certain time now, right? So mm. we have to think about measures, how to help these, um, these people. But generally, um, if you would have asked any expert before the, the Russia went into Ukraine, if you would have asked any expert, what would happen if you just switch off gas from Russia within a few months? Yeah. Disaster, right? Yeah. And even in Germany, we had all these big discussions about, oh, we have to switch off the gas, the industry will not work, we will have a recession by 12%. This all did not happen. Mm. We we managed as Germany, as Europe, really, it's, it's a big European success story. We managed through this crisis um, at a relatively sound level. We didn't have, in, at least in Germany, no blackouts. The winter was well managed. We had um, other gas capacities quickly developed. Um, even recession now isn't a big topic anymore, right? Yes, we have huge prices. We come to that later, why this is also helpful. Um, but I think we are coping a lot better than one could think if, if you look at newspapers. Yeah. It is, it is like that, right? So we, we were expecting here in Germany to have... Uh 
cold households and that uh, the industry has to shut down uh, its factories um, and all that all that didn't work yeah all that didn't uh, happen yeah fortunately yeah. so what do you think what have we learned what have we achieved and uh, what what still needs to be done Ooh, a lot <laughs> um, so and I think let's start with the learning we were in the middle of learning things still yeah. right because yeah. in Germany the discussion is very overheated so people are, are more or less fighting uh, on, on on really different positions um, but we I think we learned first of all Europe is 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 great as a structure for such situations to share infrastructure to to help out with energy, so we received lots of gas from the Netherlands, from from Norway. Well, they earned a lot of money with it, actually. Mm -hmm. um, we help France with our electricity and, and so forth. So it's it's really good to have also strong interconnectors in the electricity grid. That's all all value we have. In... Um, we also learned that um, apparently, if there's a real crisis, we are able to act. Right. If you look at the discussion in Germany on the LNG terminals, um, that was fast. <laughs> it was really fast yeah. to get these things. Right. Um, also, on, on on many measures that have been taken, not only in Germany, also in Europe, the the last decision, decisions on European level, not only on energy pricing but on climate um, technology and and, and and change, it's it's good. Right. Yeah. Um, so. We have learned that we are able to move if, if there's a real danger. The point what we need to learn is that climate change is a real danger. And just because it's not today that, I don't know, we have a cold home, um, no, no reason to wait. So, so that, that's something we still have to learn. And we have to learn, um, I think, um, in political dis discussion, that transformation of infrastructure is a process and our discussion culture does not work um towards like, valuing such a process it's always about oh no prices are high we have a huge problem this price shows that a renewable energy system will never work we had that discussion in early december in germany quite fascinating we had two weeks very cold they wind so energy prices electricity prices sky high and you could see all these posts and all these messages in the newspapers. Um, oh, this shows renewable systems don't work because if there's no renewable, yeah. we have a problem. We need gas and even nuclear. Um, two weeks later, the, the, there was a steep fall. Um, uh, so we had much more wind and it was warmer and prices really went down. And then the others, voices came ah now you see renewables are great and sure that's true but how could this be that as if you live in two separate countries uh you have to combine these these positions and you have to learn that um value at a certain point of time doesn't say anything right so yeah. you need to think of systems and transition paths and of course we need storage and so forth um and it's it's difficult in germany today i, I believe um to really have a have a good fact-based discussion on what's the target system we are going for and what what is the transition path and the steps we need so we waste lots of time with really strange discussions on nuclear on, on whatsoever yeah so you just mentioned um the aspect of energy security 
and on the other side, the, the transition to renewables. How can that, how can that be matched? Um, what, what's your, what's your um, vision? How, how, how can those two uh, systems can be combined? Yeah. Um, on, on the um, conventional side, I think you have to distinguish between something like gas-fired power plants. We will need them for a certain time because it will take some time to build flexibility and storage in the system. We, we need to, to um, compensate the fluctuating renewables. It will take some time, but not too long. So we have What's to be your... a little bit careful that we don't build too many LNG terminals because uh, we don't need them <laughs> in 10 years time, maybe. But that's, that's one part of, of, of the bill on, on conventional and transition paths. The other one is the so-called base power plants, like nuclear. It's a completely different story um, because they, they just don't fit into the system design, right? A flexible power plant, I guess, it does fit to renewables for transition time because it can compensate fluctuations. Nuclear just doesn't. Mm. Nuclear isn't flexible. So we had the discussion in Germany on the last three nuclear power plants still operating and whether we should prolong and prolong and prolong and go further. And um, this is not only not necessary, but it can become a real blocking point because they are not flexible. And you have to, to cut off and waste, or redispatch, how is it called, more and more renewables because the grid is just full of nuclear power. In the northern part of Germany, it's the case with the, with the power, with the nuclear power plant. So there's so much more um, background effects you need to consider in these discussions. But it's a pure um, well, political topic. And so um, it's, it's difficult to get that, that, that level of differentiation. In. Yeah. But back to your question. So we need something like, like gas for a certain time to compensate for fluctuations until we have sufficient storage and flexibility in the system. And the so-called base load, or, or we need to switch off as soon as possible, which is nuclear and lignite. Yeah. So, cool. Do, do you dare, dare to give us a uh, a year when we turn off the the last gas-fired electricity plant? Uh, yes, gas-fired. Well, difficult to dare. There, there's a the, the final date is set by our climate targets, of course. Um, I would believe it's even more important to think about and discuss the the last day of lignite. Um, because okay. that's much more CO2 intensive, yeah. much more emissions. Um, and there was, after the last uh, decisions on European level, what I just mentioned, um, the Potsdam Institute, uh, for example, the, one of the biggest institutes on climate change in Germany, uh, and also the, um, the um, economics behind said, with these decisions, it might take only until 2030, until Lignite is just switched off for mm. cost reasons. And that's really good news, right? And if you manage the market right, also gas will phase out relatively early because yeah. it just doesn't earn money anymore. Yeah. Um, what kind of storage do you see then if, if we turn off uh, 
gas fire power plants so um, how, how do you how do we manage will we manage times when there's no wind and no no yeah. sun yeah. um i think that's well, a big two, question that yeah. yeah there will be two um time scales we have to consider of course one is the short-term fluctuation daily basis for example yeah. that's easy um, if you if you see um the the current spreads in the market spread means from lowest price of electricity to highest price of electricity within one day yeah. there's a huge spread and that's just business model for storage right yeah. so with with um battery storage or other kinds of flexibility like customers using flexibility shifting shifting loads yeah. um i'm very confident there will be so much business model for this that we don't have to care about or don't, don't have to to worry about flexibility on short term yeah what, what kind of uh, storage technology will be used is it that there's various uh let's say batteries um um yeah. possible do you, do you have an opinion on that no i'm, I'm too little an expert on the individual technologies yeah. but um as an in engineer and entrepreneur I would say we, we haven't seen most of them yet, right? So okay. um, there's so much market, so much growth. There are new technologies uh, not only being developed, but also being introduced into markets. Um, it's again the, what I had before, the, the discussion on, on um, transition path. It's, 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 it's a pathway we have to go. Today, the argument is, oh, we, didn't, we don't have all the lithium we need, and oh, the way we, we get the lithium is not good, so how can we build a whole system of lithium-iron batteries? Who talks about it's only lithium? We just don't know yet. So just trust the engineers and the entrepreneurs. If there's a market for things, they will evolve very fast. And if you look at the, the growth curves of solar PV, of batteries, in, in the history of, of industrial energy, right? From starting from coal to oil, to, you have never seen such steep growth paths in the last hundred years. So yeah. these technologies, they involve and grow so quickly. Has never been there before. So that, that's dynamics, market dynamics, industry dynamics. And just we have to create the environment for that, and then it will happen. So long, long, long term story. I don't have an idea what exact technology it will be, but don't worry, there will be enough. Okay. Um, good to hear your optimism. Um, you're, you're an expert on, on energy trading. So when we talk about storage um, in the grid, is that already easily possible, let's say in Germany, in Europe, in the world to, um, you, to uh, Harvest energy when once there is a oversupply or if the prices are low, and then to re-dispatch um, it into the uh, into the grid when uh, when the prices are good or when there's a need, is that yeah. already fully? Um, is is the are the regulations already in place to allow such business cases? Um, so it, it strongly depends by country because yeah. energy is always highly regulated and very differently regulated in every country so i can also i cannot judge how it's in australia um but there are many countries where there are business models in germany we have the the problem that our regulation is not yet made for a real 100 renewable energy system also meaning for the integration and use of storage mm. 
Um, so it's uh, actually not easy today to make a business model just for storage as a standalone thing. Right? You, you can create a business model if it's a storage to increase your self-consumption as an industrial customer or household. There's um, not only so, so you, you can can save or earn money on, on that, but also the regulation allows you to, to do certain things. As a market actor, just have a storage put somewhere and, and act in the market, it's, it's much more difficult. Uh, so there needs to be change of, of regulation, further change of regulation to to really make these multiple business models possible and uh, to to also change the ways the, the grid fees, for example, when yeah. in what case we have to pay them. Um, I'm quite positive that this will be addressed by the government soon, but it's as of today, um, not yet really well regulated. Yeah. So you just mentioned uh, Australia and uh, um... Uh, Elon Musk built maybe one of the first big batteries there, um, and uh, it, it it seems that it works and that it makes sense from a business point. That's at least what I what I read. So what's what's different in Australia compared to uh, Germany when we talk about storage facilities? As I mentioned, I, I can't really judge because I don't know the okay. Australian regulation well enough. Okay. Um, but the, the, there's two points. One is Am I allowed to do certain things? Yeah. And uh, if, if I, I'm allowed, what do I have to pay for that, for the use of grid, for example, right? And if, if that's um, too difficult, like in Germany, um, that's the main roadblock. The business case itself, like what is the spread in the market? How can I earn money? Can I make an arbitrage or can I make um, reserve power business? Um, that's... I would believe in most countries um, th there would be a case for it because yeah. the spreads in the markets are very different. Yeah. And they are going to be higher and higher if you only put in more renewables without having that flexibility, of course. Mm. So when I understand you correctly, the, the at least for Germany, the biggest uh, threshold right now is what do I need to pay to the uh, net operator for receiving and again, uh, sharing my 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 electricity from the yeah. storage is, yeah. is that the case yeah. these, these good rules are, are certainly a major point yeah but and then then i would say well, why is it so difficult why is it so uh, what, what's stopping us from from changing or implementing the right regulations to allow for that um my feeling is that particularly in energy regulation in germany um, we have over decades just mm, put new elements here and there to make certain things possible or to create certain applications, but we've never really designed the whole uh, legislation towards the future system. So it's thousands and thousands of pages of, of um, legal text you have to, to understand. And if you are now the lawmaker, it's almost impossible to change something without uh, having having um, contradiction to other laws elsewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I would believe the best thing would be just to, to write a clean new energy law. Yeah. Are you um, working on it? And no, but that's, um, <laughs> the, the, it's called Stiftung Umweltenergierecht. It's a major legal, not only think tank, they have very good um, 
concrete projects they are doing. They they have proposed exactly that. Oh right. They refer okay. to a big big legislation overhaul. 1900, which was the BGB, that's the major law, civil law in Germany. Mm -hmm. And before that, there was chaos, and then there was the BGB, which is a clean and consistent framework. Right? Yeah. And they propose to have a similar thing now on energy, just yeah. throw away all the old crap, thousands of pages and different laws and sub-laws and blah, 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 yeah. with all these contradictions in that. So even you have to discuss what's a consumer, what's a producer, it's not really clear in all the cases. Okay. Um, so just clean up the whole mess and, and start over. Yeah. What, what's the name of the institution? Could you say that again? Stiftung Umwelt Energierecht. Stiftung Umwelt Energierecht. Interesting. Cool. Very good. So, uh, and, and they, they finished their work and they proposed it to uh, politicians or no, they, what's the they, status? Uh, um, the project uh, has not been um, fully carried out or even started, I don't know, because you need money for that. It's it's not, not so so easy. And um, my, my, my perception is that in, in politics, everybody is a little bit afraid of making such big overall moves because it takes very long. If you, if you look at how discussions work in the political sphere, mm. um, making big changes is difficult. It takes very, very long to get everybody on board so that you have, have the majority in, in, in the Bundestag and also the Bundesrat and get all this through. And then the, there's the public share of the discussion, which is not fact-based very often, but just more like... Uh, feeling based and, and emotional blah blah um so it, my impression is also the current government until today has has mainly tried to put new elements on top of existing uh, regulation to make things work to accelerate things which is good they've just announced a major um, package of of um making regulation easier right uh, and bureaucratizing was that term. It's uh, um, less, less administration and yeah. less 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 uh, overhead and all these legal things for yeah. renewals. So yeah. um, we will have to see what what comes out of that package. Yeah. And do you think that's the key um, stumble block right now to uh, for the acceleration of exactly. uh, renewables? Yeah, it's bureaucracy. That's yeah, the point. That's the point. Yeah. And it's even more dramatic for wind of course uh, um, getting getting wind um, permits to build wind farms in germany is just crazy right it takes yeah. like six to seven years and you have, it's, a, it's an endless process uh, way too slow um and but it's also for for pv and storage and, and flexibility we need flexibility there is flexibility in the system right you can't yeah. you can, industry could could be more flexible if it pays, right? There's a business case for that. Mm. But regulation is just so difficult. So yes, that's the main roadblock for, for accelerating things. It's not not so much the market, the prices, the subsidies. I don't believe that. So we have the technology, we have the business cases, it's regulation that stops um, the transition. Yeah. Or slows down yeah. at least. Slow, yeah. Slows it down. Right? Slows we, down. We have a yeah. good, good pace now. We have yeah. Uh, new record on heat pump installations. It's on mm. track, right? So the, the electrification of, of heat sector is, is on track. 
we have uh, PD growth on track last year in, in terms of volumes and target volumes. And I think in PV we can continue growth rates now. Um, and we, we are not on track, definitely not. Mm. And with flexibility, we are. Um, in Germany, again, um, there's a lot talk about hydrogen. Um, it seems like uh, in the public space, hydrogen is like the uh, the single the single piece uh, that that saves us. What what do you think about uh, the hydrogen hype we we uh, observe? As you describe, I mean. It's treated as the silver bullet. It's not. Uh, we need uh, hydrogen, or I, I tend to say we need molecules in our system, right? Mm. Um, because for for the um, compensating seasonal fluctuations, that's not a battery storage. That's yeah. a molecule where you have chemical energy stored. It can be hydrogen, ammonia, whatsoever, just or some kind of um, synthetic methane, whatever. But we need molecules. So yes, we need that. We need it in, in industry processes to replace gas or other carbon-based um, molecules. Um, and we might need it for, for peak power purposes at certain times. But it's not the silver bullet. Um, and my impression is, of course, it's like it's a hype. So lots, large amounts of money go in, which is fine. Yeah. It's, it's nice. But my impression is there's a... Um, Behind that, there's one key driver for that I, I don't like so much. If you, if you look at, um, particularly from, from the um, parties and actors, which for a long time supported the old system, the old centralized system we had, fossil-based big power plants. These people still, I believe, mainly think in central structures. So, if you look at certain parties, they say, oh, we need no uh, nuclear um, fusion. That's the silver bullet. Complete nonsense. It will be far too late <laughs> to do anything about climate change. Or yeah. we need carbon capture and storage. That's the silver bullet. Um, that's, for me, again, nonsense. It's, it's driven to, to be able to remain the old industry structure I have a big power plant and just dump the carbon dioxide, which is yeah. not proven and not safe yet, right? Yeah. And similar as it was hydrogen, it's it's a very much centralized technology. You can build huge electrolyzers, huge plants to make hydrogen. And that's not so good. You can start making hydrogen from methane. Right? and dumping the carbon dioxide. So it's all big, big, big technology for big companies. Big old oil industry likes the idea, certainly. Big old gas industry likes the idea, certainly. So um, that's the dangerous part of that hype. It's yeah. that old industries that don't really have the drive for, for climate neutrality, they drive hydrogen. And mm. that's, again, a little bit dangerous. We have to be very careful that the good part of the hydrogen hype, that's innovation, it's growth, it's, it's new market, maybe new industry leadership. And this, this is really focused on a purely renewable energy system and the role hydrogen can play in that system and not in the old system. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, 
I, I would agree, right? And it's also about the um, monopoly in the distribution, right? So um, uh, gas, you don't have five, six, seven pipelines uh, in parallel. You always have just one pipeline. And yeah. the one who runs the pipeline is, uh, is the king, right? Um, and uh, with the heavily decentralized energy systems, then everybody can uh, create a business. The, the threshold yeah. uh, is uh, massively reduced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what we have seen, and we've, we've touched it several times, we have seen a, a liberalization of the uh, electricity or in general energy market. Um, I think it started around 2000 um, in Germany. And uh, so where, where, do we, where, where are we today and uh, what still needs to be done? Uh, we mentioned the, let's say, rewriting the code. Um, is, is that the key thing? Um, but could you be more precise on one or the other aspect which, which we still need and how it yeah. could help the, the uh, transition to renewables? Yeah. So first of all, we will make further big, big progress also with the old legal code, right? It's not the prerequisite to, to really get things going. Yeah. I believe we should start that um, exercise now so that we have at a certain point of time uh, a fitting code, but it's not, not that, that we can't grow renewables today. We do already. Mm. Um, on the liberalization side, I think many things uh, are done relatively well. Um, however, what I realize also in the energy crisis is that um, there's a new sort of interventionism, right? So, of course, there's big high prices. Um, everybody's afraid of who can pay the bill. And so there's a big pressure on politics to do something about it, and that's intervention. And um, We've seen in Germany really bad interventions uh, because they try to really go into market mechanisms and that breaks the market. And what we now need is a functional market because high prices, scarcity pricing is the signal that the market works. A high price is the, the um, incentive to do investments. Yeah. for new business so new generation capacity flexibility and so forth and if we if we deeply go into the market machinery and say oh we, we cut off the high prices no investment no change right yeah. so that's really dangerous and now there's further interventionism discussed so should we do this and that should we have an industry price in germany that's linked to offshore wind energy prices so take off that share of the market. And I think that's a, um, a dangerous path to uh, not to do the opposite of liberalization, but more and more state driven um, measures to to somehow get control of things. And I, I believe that's the wrong way. Right. So yeah. we need to stick on to liberalization. But the wrong part about the formal liberalization was the boundary conditions were not set right. So I, I strongly believe in the power of markets if they have the right boundary conditions, which is in our case, thinking about climate change, sky high carbon emission prices, um, sky high prices, and even um, obligations to um, do not make certain kinds of use of environment for free. 
um, like the German tempo limit, it's speed limit. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. You can't even have speed limit in German autobahns yeah. for some, I don't know, ideological reasons. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, and the, 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 the argument is, it's our freedom. It's a liberal argument, right? So I believe in markets and, and the, the, the huge power of industry and money. We need that power, that massive power. But we have to, to channel it in a direction where it helps for transformation of our energy system, for saving uh, climate and the environment. Yeah. Excellent. Um, to, uh, in order to promote renewables, um, there's the, uh, there's a, let's say, new tools um, which uh, um, are called, for example, guarantees of origin, then there's contracts for difference, and there's carbon tax. Um, Maybe you can explain those three first and then also tell us uh, what do you think about them and yeah. do we need more or do we need do they yeah. need to look differently? So maybe we start with guarantees of origin. Why do we need them and how do they work? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, a guarantee of origin says um, if I have a certain form of energy, for example, electricity generated from a renewable source, you not only get the commodities or so the electricity you can trade on, on, on markets, but also a, a paper of origin, a certificate. Mm -hmm. um, so that it's uh, validated that this is clean energy, right? And yeah. you can trade these. And it's very important. Um, in the beginning of liberalization in Germany, there was uh, the idea and the hope that with that, you get customer choices so that customers say, I want clean energy. I'm willing to pay a little bit more, but I need a good GOO, uh, COO, uh, certificate of uh, origin to be sure it's the right form of energy. Um, the bad thing is that, first of all, the willingness to pay more, of, there is a small segment of customers <laughs> willing to pay more, but most of them don't. And, uh, so the market is, is, is flooded with uh, not really valuable uh, origins. Like in Germany, we have over 90% of our green electricity is from, from Scandinavia because they have all the hydropower. Yeah. We, we just purchased their papers of green electricity. And in return, the Norwegians, they have German coal power, but they don't know because they see the hydro plants in front of them now. Apparently, I get hydropower, but legally, they don't. Legally, they get green electricity, yeah. but they don't care because they don't know. And this system is a little bit broke, um, and it would be good to to um, also have, have tighter limits on that. And at a certain point of time, however, it will change because if everything's renewable, we don't need the certificate anymore. Yeah. It's green anyways. Right? Yeah. But for but the trans for the transition, it's, it's a good instrument, um, but it has a relatively um, it has an impact, but um, the, the 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 cost adder cannot be too big. Yeah, so it can move not so much money with it. Yeah. Then uh, then there's carbon taxes. I think that's pretty straightforward, right? Um, yeah. Pretty straightforward yeah. and well understood. I think that's common sense. We need high carbon prices uh, and even higher carbon prices. Um, the, the good point is that besides carbon prices, so cost companies have today for emitting carbon dioxide, um, they have understood that, that there's another value of renewables, uh, which is uh, resilience. 
not being dependent on gas, for example, right? So because you can buy certificates, of course, but if you can't buy gas anymore, and this is really expensive, that's painful, right? So mm -hmm. we need higher CO2 prices, um, and, and I think the pathway is clear. The instrument is understood and accepted. I think that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And then uh, contracts for difference. What what is what is yeah, that? They are different instruments. They are all called like that. Uh, what, okay. what um, I refer to uh, as a very, very valid instrument or interesting instrument in Germany is uh, an arrangement of contracts for difference for industry to support their transition to clean tech. Right. So um, assume you have a steel or whatever industry um, production uh, of, of whatever um, product um, and you want to switch to clean energy or fuel switch from gas to electricity whatsoever. And you realize if you do so, because it's still more expensive than what is done on, on the world markets, um, you realize if I do so, I'm out of the market. Mm. Then you can make a, a scheme that's currently under preparation in Germany that you um, offer your measure on a, on a marketplace. Say, I could um, invest 10 million euros in new tech. Um, with that, I save XYZ tons of carbon dioxide. And then the, the best offers get, get extra funding. So to, to subsidize down these, these difference costs you have against world market prices, so you can um, enable your, your, your switch to clean technology um, and uh, don't, don't suffer in, in world market environment with loss of business, right? So mm -hmm. that's an instrument I, I like a lot because it's not really going into market mechanisms, but just giving support to companies that want to move faster than, than the market is. Um, but, but why is it still more exp expensive, right? If we say solar and wind is already the cheapest energy, uh, um, then why why would the the uh, the switch um, cause higher costs? Is it because the, the we talk about twenty four seven availability and we don't have all the uh, storage facilities in place? Or why is it more expensive? Mm -hmm. So switch? the main difference is uh, that we uh, in, in if you say PV and wind is the cheapest. That's true. And it strongly applies to, to new plants, right? If I want to have more capacity, that's the cheapest way to do. Yeah. If I go to marginal cost of existing technology, of course, others are still cheaper, right? And in certain industrial processes, it's really expensive to switch from gas to electricity, for example, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then other invest. That's why, because they need to redesign the whole uh, Yeah, the whole plant, the whole manufacturing process has to be redesigned. Okay. And that's just expensive. Yeah. Uh, and many other countries, of course, they do dumping uh, on, on the environment. So if, if in, in Europe, we have higher energy prices currently than in most parts of the world, because we were the, so reliant on foreign gas. Um, of course, in, in other countries, in the US and China, in, in Asia, you have lower energy prices, right? So um, it's it's difficult to compete on that price level. That's why I'm a fan of such instruments to say, okay, on the long run, we will not be able to compete in our industrial production in Germany against Asian gas prices. If you have a certain process that needs gas, if you have to decide to do it here or there, on the energy side, the, the decision is clear. That's what BASF, the, the big 
chemical company did years ago. They decided to make a new plant in China on, on certain processes. Yeah. And that's in the long term will remain because the gas is there, it's cheaper. Then. So mm -hmm. we have to make uh, a switch and say, okay, our future industry should be built on new technologies that are cleaner, don't use so much gas, but maybe electricity or hydrogen whatsoever. And yeah. this transition we can 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 boost or at least support with these instruments to say the investment for um, the, the, the change of technology that's supported by subsidies by governmental funds. Okay, excellent. But not, not, the, not the operation on the long term. That's yeah. Are there other tools or instruments you will, we already talk about or should be implemented in the future to facilitate the, the transition to renewables? Um, I think um, we, had, we, had, we had all points like legislation, making things easier, yeah. certain support schemes to, to really um, support the change of infrastructure. Of course, we will need, and that's a very important um, point for the political discussions. I think we need to do a lot more about our policy in terms of um, social policies and, and having a a just system, right? So today we often have the problem that if we change our energy systems, energy system might be that certain users have a higher bill for a certain time. Mm. If these are the poor people, it's very easy what happens. They just mm. say no. Um, also for industry, right? So we have to, to change not only energy policy, but also a social policy and economic policy to, to um, to adjust who 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 carries what kind of what what share of the burden, and yes. this is not fair today. It's just not fair, mm. and that's a very important discussion. Not to make social politics within energy politics. We have a huge yes. discussion on on heat for 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 tenants. Who pays what in cost rise? Very difficult to discuss. Yeah. I would say just the user has to bear the cost because then the user has an interest to be efficient. But then the user needs more money he can spend on energy. That's social politics rather than energy politics. Yeah. yeah. Great. Thanks, Tim. Um, by, by nature, we, we have been uh, talking a lot about uh, Germany, but I think it's a, because we are from Germany, we are in Germany. Um, but I think also it's uh, interesting because um, this is where the energy transition is in, 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 in full speed. Still, let, let's uh, broaden our the scope. What's happening worldwide? Um, um, will will the, the, the climate crisis and energy crisis bring new dynamics also to, to other countries? What's going on there? Yeah. Maybe yeah. you can give us some examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely it does. So it's, um, at the end, it's, it's, it's tragic, but, but um, I think the, the current energy crisis is the booster to decarbonization of, uh, of the global economy. Mm -hmm. And um, one is climate crisis is now really understood as a threat by most governments <laughs> in most countries. It, that's new. That's new. Yeah. Um, but the second point is that um, resilience is also understood as a value. So not being dependent on 
geostrategic partners, which turn out to be Vladimir Putin, for example, right? Um, so you have in the US the Inflation Reduction Act, which is massive, right? Mm. Just just a massive program to not only change um, fuel fuel mix and, and stuff like that on the energy sector, but also to build up uh, industry in the US again for certain technologies to be more independent. And these kind of measures you see in, in, in many places. Um, I've even in Australia, there's now a discussion on how to get out, out of lignite, which is really new. <laughs> right? We haven't had that discussion before. We have we have Bolsonaro gone, right? Which is great news for climate change or for climate uh, fighting climate change that Brazil uh, will certainly have a new policy again. So there's many, many things going on. And on the general level, there was a very interesting study I read recently. If you look how how money flows change, right? Because anything that, that drives things and um, the the, the, um, the change of our energy is money, and the the capital streams are so brutally changed now to clean tech to new tech. Um, that's a very good sign that globally things get into dynamics. Yeah. And you see also that uh, that was more anecdotal, that um, it's more and more difficult for all tech companies to hire talents, to get people to do the job. Who wants, frankly, I mean, you are a solar guy for, for many years as well. Um, who wants to work for a dirty, dirty old company, right? Yeah. Um, sorry, there will be um, listeners here in all companies, but just if you if you're a young talented person, you make a choice for your for your future life. What will you choose? Mm. Pretty easy, right? And so you have money flowing, you have talents flowing, everything goes into that direction. So the big the big track is just running off, and uh, I'm pretty pretty convinced that globally, um, the, the 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 race is won already. The key question is, will we be fast enough on the on the on the finish line? That's yeah. that's the point. How, how how fast are we? But that we will do it, and then with much more dynamics that, than in the last years. I think that's that's clear. You can see it on, on the numbers. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I'll take that as a very uh, positive final statement. Tim, thanks a lot for coming onto the show and all the best for your future um, enterprises, uh, consultancy projects, etc. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me, Thorsten. It's been fun.